Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day, oh God. I was thinking as we worship, Lord, and what a good, good Father you are. I'm a father, Lord, but I couldn't be no father at all without you. You teach me. You lead me in how to be a father. And I know the sound that my children make that cause me to respond to them, O oh God. Father, would you let us deliver a message to those who are crying out in pain today? And let them know what a good father you are. Lord, as you have put this message upon my heart today to preach concerning your glory, it's challenged me. I thought, Lord, this can't be right. How can I teach about your glory, oh God? Father, I understand you take the weakness of the world and you show your strength. But I wouldn't want to go into this message without asking the help of your Holy Spirit. Would you send the preacher, as my good friends always said, the hound out of heaven, searching out. And would you use not only me, Lord, I give myself to you today, as your minister. But use everybody as they leave this church today. Let them not be challenged by a sermon, but changed by a God who moves us toward His glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. The children, if they could stay in here with us today, we wanted them to hear the, the message. And if you have to uh, do something different than that, we will accommodate you. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, would you please open it to the book of Exodus chapter 33. As you heard in my prayer, God, as I was actually uh, following a friend of mine this week across country, I was headed west out of Lawton and really just uh, having my mind on nothing. I was in my nothing box. Have you ever, <laughs> do you have a nothing box? Amen. Ethel has taught me about the nothing box. Men have a nothing box. And so my wife doesn't have a nothing box. She has many boxes. They're all connected and they're all operating at the very same time simultaneously. But men, and I want to confess, I have a nothing box. Amen. I was in my nothing box thinking about nothing, just driving. And all of a sudden, in the middle of my nothing box, the Lord decided he wanted to put within my heart today's message. And it was a very simple thought, but laid in the heart as you would lay a baby to bed, very comfortably, very adequately, he covered it up, and it was clear by the time I hit the stop sign on Highway 69, I was going to be preaching the glory of God. Amen. And man, I just began to think, are you kidding me, Lord? And, and I began to think back about the glory of God. If I was to ask you this morning, 
What is the glory of God? Man, I begin to think about that because here the Lord's laying this message upon my heart as a pastor to preach this Sunday morning. I have never preached a message on exclusively the glory of God until today. And so all week I'm wrestling with this. I'm like, man, the glory of God, this is big. Amen. And so I start looking in my uh, concordance at home and over 560 times throughout the Old and New Testament, we have God in referencing to his glory within Scripture. Over 500 times, whether it's glory, glorify, or glorious, God is making known to us in the Scriptures he has glory. And I mean, I begin to think like, well, God, what is this? So could I, could I just look up the word God's glory and get like a simple definition? Kind of like if I wanted to know what cornbread is. I could just cornbread and it had this neat little, you know, what cornbread consists of. And then so I could just come to the pulpit and tell you that you need this and this and this. And I found out that the glory of God is so vast and complex, yet so known by mankind. I begin to call it this week the it we cannot explain. And so the glory of God it seems to be this it that I can't really give you a definition for, but I can walk you through Scripture and give you a glimpse of what God wanted me to share with you this morning. His Glory, And then I can encourage you to pursue this glory, to then glorify. The only way you give back to something is because He first gave to you. And so you only give glory to the one who first gave glory and did something so spectacular you can't help but multiply and want to give back. And I was thinking as we worship this morning, there will be so many in that day. And we think about heaven, and I'm sure if you think about heaven, and I put that upon at least your mind as I begin to approach this message, and say what will be in heaven, you would definitely not leave out God's glory. And so glory would be an atmosphere, maybe a fixture, uh, something in sight, and throughout scriptures, there's actually over 20 words throughout the Hebrew and Greek language that was translated into one word, glory. So many fronts, you'll see the glory of God. Now, if it's the it you can't explain. This is what I mean. I believe the glory of God is the it you cannot give an intellectual definition to. It cannot be grasped by men alone, but only grasped by the convert to the faith of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's exclusive within that network, changing men and women. I remember a night I was coming back off the streets. It was, uh, I don't remember a great deal about that night. I don't think there was any great thing that stuck out in my mind about being on the streets that night other than it was very late. And if my mind serves me well, it was very cold. And so there wasn't seemingly a great amount of fruit. That night I was just cold. My friend who was converted uh, six or eight years ago, that was his ministry. He would drive me to the locations. I would pull my cross out. 
And I would stand by the cross until I felt like we was finished. And we would pray about where we went. And it was really very simple and very powerful. And so men could see the cross. You didn't have to say anything. But the night on the way home, I'll never forget, we was on the bypass at Pittsburgh. He was so faithful to not only drop me off, but back up and watch for my protection, but would then come forward to pick me up with my cross as we went home. And I was just cold that night. And I was looking out the window, not saying a lot. It was after 1 o'clock in the morning. And I remember as we crossed that creek bridge on the bypass at Pittsburgh, God doing something in me that I knew was Him. And this is how, for me, I would explain at least one time of knowing. See, God's glory is this approval. One part of His glory is He is able to give an approval to you. He's able to give you encouragement and comfort. And and I just remember as I went around that bypass, and there was nothing that night that stuck out, but it was God saying to me, thank you. Thank you. Because that night, if I was going to go so men would applaud me, I would never go back. If I was going to go hoping to become some great name preacher, I would never go back. If I went hoping I could provoke someone to a conversation, I would have never went back. But that night God taught to me, if I went for no other reason, I went because He asked me to go. And the arm of the Father around my heart that night did something for me that could never be done by a definition or by intellect. That's only one experience. Now let's get into what the Word of God says concerning the glory. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 17, Moses approaches the glory of God. And let's take a look at 17 through 19. I've not cut this portion out for any particular reason other than I want to keep to the point. So there's more text here. Please study it. As you go home, or if you're listening by podcast, please open the Scripture and see what was happening here. Look at the conversation between God and Moses. Let's please start reading at verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, that's Moses, I beseech you or I beg you, show me your glory. And he said, that's God, I will. How do you like that? I love it when you, Moses asked God, show, of all the things he had seen, show me your glory. And God right away doesn't say, no, I can't do that. He says, I will. And look what he calls it. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. Now, this is larger than I can preach. My vocabulary is not great enough to really give a a message that's adequate for this passage of Scripture. But we're seeing something happen here where Moses is having a conversation with God. Wow. And maybe that seems unrealistic to you, but this week, the God of, of all of creation was able to real simply lay into the pastor's heart. It wasn't an audible voice. It was very simple, delivered by way of the Holy Spirit, always, always in confirmation to the Word of God. If anyone tells you the Lord's speaking to them and the Word of God will not back it, it's not God, I can assure you of that. 
So as you read the Bible, and maybe you say, I don't understand when I read all the time. Keep reading. Let the Holy Spirit dig these potatoes, kind of like you plant potatoes. You don't always see them on top. You let them grow until you go knife them out of the ground, and all of a sudden, a lot of potatoes. The Holy Spirit can dig up a scripture, and boy, you ever notice you'll read for years and all at once? Wow, you never knew that meant so much. And I'm finding out this week on the word glory, as I begin to look, I'm thinking, I've passed by God's glory so often in scripture, I have taken for granted His glory. And so Moses is here saying, God... Show me your glory. So this starts another set of questions in me. What had he seen? And then why does he ask to see God's glory? I mean, because if God asked something like, you found grace in my sight, what are you looking for? I mean, what would I ask for? Like, uh, I don't know, Lord, like a red truck. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't ask for that. I'm being funny. But the truth is, what would we ask God for? Like, you found grace in my side, he's telling Moses. But what are you wanting? And man, he's had that conversation with others throughout Scripture. And when they begin to ask for someone else, God always did it for them. And I find out as a minister, we spend most of our time, and rightfully so, serving others, delivering the gospel to others. Amen? But Moses is having this conversation And he says, I want to see your glory. Huge. That's like, wow. And God says, I will. I'm going to show it to you. And you can read the text when you get home. But a God kind of, you can imagine me walking by you. And God basically does this with Moses. He didn't want him to see the front side of him. And there's a reason in Scripture in just a moment we'll find out. But if you can imagine, hold your hand forward to somebody and I have someone on the front row that I'm putting my hand in front of. And as I pass by, can't see my face. But as I leave, you can see my backside. And that's what happened as God passed by. And all of the goodness of God was now passing by Moses. Notice that he hid him on a rock. The rock beside him is the one that he hit him on. And today, if you want to know God's glory, you'll have to stand upon the rock that we have worshipped for ages. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. So the goodness passed by. And I begin to ask myself questions like, why did he ask to see God's glory? And what had he already seen that would have sparked such a statement? What had he... And so I want to list for you, and you already know this, look at what all Moses had already seen. He had already seen a burning bush that was not consumed. He had already seen multiple miracles before Pharaoh as God spoke to him. He then seen total miracles before Pharaoh. Are you with me? Now we're talking about a guy that later is going to ask, let me see your glory. Had already seen burning bush, miracles before Pharaoh. He's seen plagues come upon the nation of Egypt. Huh? Now what have you seen? Amen. Now think about this. What are you asking God for? Are you asking to see His glory? He's seen the death of the firstborn. He's seen the exodus out of Egypt. He's seen a mass. Not only God delivered a message to him, but the message was given to Pharaoh, let my people 
go. And I believe it's a message of every preacher, including myself. Let God's saying, let my people go. What holds us in bondage is not being able to worship God. No matter where you are or what you are, if you're not worshiping God, you will not enjoy eternity. You will not enjoy Amen. A place where God and Jesus Christ illuminate, become the light of the city, and forever and ever. Can you imagine going to sing somewhere forever and ever? What if you don't even like singing for 20 minutes worshiping God? You're in trouble. Okay, let's go on. Move beyond that. Moses seen Red Sea open up, swallowed up, divided and dry ground that they then could be delivered upon. As they turned back, he seen with his eyes the same water that delivered them now destroy all of their adversaries, Pharaoh and the chariot. Isn't that amazing? I mean, really get with me. He's seen this. He's seen manna come down from heaven. Like when they started getting hungry, like, hey, there's no McDonald's around here. Right? You go on the youth trip tonight, like, aren't we going by Mickey D's? No. I'm mad then. Take me home. That's kind of how the children of Israel were. And so in response to that, manna starts falling down out of heaven. It tastes like the light bread and honey mixed with it. It's really good. But he saw this. Can you imagine it? It's not a fairy tale. This actually happened. Bread fell down out of heaven and they ate it. Water came out of a rock. Water came out of a rock. Moses seen water coming out of a rock. He went to Mount Sinai and this whole mountain, now this is amazing, watch this. He goes to a mountain that was just covered with this cloud of thunder and lightning that caused the earth to shake. A trumpet sounded and he began to go up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Moses seen this. He went and did this with God. And then, last but not least that I have, there are more you could go home and read for yourself. God spoke with Moses face to face. And now we get to our text. And God said, You have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses says, I beg you, will you show me your glory? You mean to tell me all that he had already seen was not enough to show Moses he had already seen God's glory. But there was something greater in God that was so full of goodness that it was the essence, it was the foundation, and it was the working of a God within glory to then. This is amazing, church. I want to then take you to a very simple scripture, Romans chapter 3. And as we talk about the glory of God, I want to then put this in context of scriptures that we've quoted and maybe not thought a great deal about. And if you begin to look at all this glory, and you know, within the, let me say this just uh, simply, the glory of God is many things, many fronts. It's the fact that He's all loving. He's all, He loved us first. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. I mean, I could do some really big words at the end of the day where you'd be like, what's he talking about? But this meant God's so complex, but within his goodness and love for us, he had this goodness that just seems to encapsulate.
encapsulate glory. And I can still go back to what I first said, and that is it's the it we can't explain. I mean, if you've ever been a time in your life and God just did this and you've prayed or you believed the Word of God and something just moved inside of you that you knew it was God's glory that had done it. And what was the response, not only of God, but our response to it? Because how we respond to God's glory now is going to determine our response in the days ahead. And I want to encourage you just to come toward the glory of God. But if, if, if you know for sure, within the glory of God was all of His goodness. I mean, everything He had to offer was within the goodness of God. It causes us to repent. It leads us. And I mean, would you come for it? I mean, and then how would you be able... Do you think you could get there today? Or where are you at with God's glory? I mean, I want to challenge all of us. This challenged me this week. And I'm going to look at this scripture in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We've quoted it so many times. And thinking about this glory, Moses seen all these miracles, and that was not the essence of what he was asking to see. That didn't do enough for him to say, I now know what God's glory is. He couldn't say, like, I've seen it all. He couldn't do it. I've seen the Red Sea open up, the firstborn die, bread fall out of heaven, the bush burn and never uh, burn up. Uh, are you with me? Like, I've seen all this, and I've still not seen God's glory, and I'm asking God, I want to see your glory. And God didn't say, no, you're messed up. You've already seen my glory. He didn't say that. He said, I will. I will. I will. And when I do... I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass by. Because what he's saying, God, I know with all I've seen and how great it is, there's so much more to you. There's this glory thing that's so much greater than anything I've seen. This is Moses talking. And now you've got this verse in Romans, For all have sinned and come short of the of God. There we go. Now we're on track. I've quoted that so many times. Uh, this week I told her, I'm so sorry, God. I have quoted this so many times and never paid attention to glory. I never paid attention to God's glory. So I knew that all sin and fell short and I preached that probably hundreds of times. But I, you mean, I, my sin has caused me to come short of the glory of God. Like all of humanity's sin will cause you to come short. And another version says, will cause you to fall short. And I begin to think about how tricky sin is. And so tr sin can do this trick on you and make you think, you're okay with this and you're still going to make it. You know what I mean? It's like, if you ever get in a conversation, I talked about it last week a little bit. It's like you'll get in conversations like, do you think this is sin? And we'll start having these, they're really low-natured conversations. It's like, so do you think doing this is a sin? And we get into all this back and forth intellectually, but what I'm saying about sin here today is that there are sins in our life that can be in our bosom, can be in our back pocket. There are sins that only you and the Holy Spirit know about. And the problem with that one is it will trip you right before your fingers touch the glory of God. Are you with me? So it's real tricky. It makes you think like I could get this in my pocket and nobody knows it. But as soon as you get to like the finish line, I mean, can you imagine running a marathon? Like this long marathon, what are they, 20, how many miles? 26. Point what? 26.2 miles. Now this sin I'm talking about, any sin, all have sinned, we've all sinned. 
I'm not picking a particular sin. The Holy Spirit may pick a particular sin. I'm not picking one. But it will hide in the pocket, and you'll be running the marathon. 12 miles, and they give you a drink, or whatever before you go. Amen. <laughs> me, like a quarter of a mile. Give me my drink. I'm done. It's over. Are you with me? Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. I've tried that before. Every now and then I get up to a mile or two miles, I'm feeling really good, and then it's like, man, I'm doing good. And then pretty soon it's like, hey, you got a Twinkie? I tell my wife, I think I can reward myself now. You know how you'll do that? Like, it's not really going to affect me. I don't have to run tonight. Like, next week I'll catch up on it, and then I don't. Are you with me? It's real deceiving. Like, you want to reward yourself for doing good. Like, so what happens is you just go to church for a while, and you got saved, and then pretty soon it's like, hey, I'm good. Like, you got a Twinkie? And then you put that in your pocket, and you've made it so many miles. And then you get to the point, and then here's what's so tricky about this verse, all have sinned and fallen short or come short of the glory, is God's glory is at the end of this marathon, and it's 26.2 miles. And you may be able to go 26 miles with this sin in your back pocket. What I'm saying to you about God's glory is this stuff, will trip you before you get to the finish line. It's the point two. it won't let you go to get to the fingers of what God really wants to give you in goodness. Are you with me? So sin causes us to come short of this wonderful, huge package of God's glory that's more than miracles, it's more than a feeling, it's God Himself that wants to encapsulate a once sinner, now righteous by the blood of Christ. Are you with me? This one we have to get rid of quickly because the problem is it doesn't help you run. It does not help you run. And no matter how light this may be, it's heavy enough to cause you enough weight that point two at the end of this race was your tripping point. It was the place you tripped. Maybe your friend, even in Sunday school, said he thinks you're okay with this. If it causes you the last point two of the marathon not to get to the finger, like you've seen that, that picture where fingers, uh, the hands are reaching toward each other and they need to touch, but they're not quite touching. I want as a pastor you to touch the glory of God, the obedience to Christ. I want you to get rid of that point two weight, that little bitty thing that you don't think is going to make a difference, but it's going to get you at the last bit of the race. Amen. Amen. Woo! That's the one we're not paying attention to. And it's all about weight. And so I don't know about you. I don't know if you're noticing I'm in front of you every week. I've got like... <laughs> not really. <laughs> okay. The Baptist. <sighs> Lord Jesus, I said, well, there's two or more gathered together, we eat. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is it's a good thing. It's always fellowship. It's like everywhere a pastor goes, it's like, hey, you want to meet me for lunch? I'm like, you, you are killing me. <laughs> yes, I want to meet you for lunch. I love those. You know what I mean. So, Are you with me? But hey, let's face it. If I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow, this weight is not going to help me. This belly that's starting to enter, be formed, whatever. Are you with me? I mean, don't try to make me feel good about this. This same thing. All have sinned and fallen short. You, if I, I ask my wife this all the time. Baby, am I looking fatter? 
I do this all the time. Like, do you think now the truth is, I, I know I'm fatter than I was eight months ago. I know I've gained eight pounds. I know it. I know it because my britches are tighter. I can't, are you with me? What am I forcing my beloved, gentle, honest wife to try to do? What am I doing on God's creation asking her such a thing? For heaven's sake, I don't want to be the one that causes her to lie. Because <laughs> she always says to me, Baby, you look good. I don't think you're gaining any weight. Honey, you know I am. <laughs> and that's all in fun. But the truth is, if I was going to go watch a mar- or run a marathon tomorrow, man, she'd have to be at the half mile mark to give me a glass of water. Are you with me? I mean, now she would cheer me on, but the truth is... I need to lose a few pounds. Now, I'm not getting on that this morning. Amen. The truth of this is sin will weight us down. And it's amazing how we'll go to someone and we'll try to get them to say, hey, you don't think this is bad, do you? And you know the whole time, like this thing, whether you think it's bad, it's not going to help you run and finish the race. I wonder what's going to lean me up spiritually and let me finish the race. I know that there's a fight of faith. I want to finish my course and I want to keep the faith. I want to enter the last part of the line like God started me. I want to know that He was the Alpha of my life. He's the Omega. He's the beginner and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher of my faith that what God did is great enough to get me there. Amen. And I need the encouragement from not only you, but from the Word of God. I need to let the Word of God be the standard of my life. And if all have sinned and fallen short, not of what the church thinks is okay, but God, have I fallen short of glory? Have I set up boundaries and this weight and all of these things that keep me from touching your finger and your hand? Because Moses saw these great miracles, but still had not felt. He seen the glory of of God. God never resisted Moses, and neither will God resist you. He wants to show you all of His goodness. He wants to show you who He is and love on you to the degree it changes everything around you. It changes you. Amen. Let's begin to look because I'm doing an expository style here this morning. I think the question could be asked, have we ever seen God's glory? And so I move you forward to the New Testament. And I'd like for you to let this word, this scripture, bathe your own heart on the question we have asked ourselves today. Are we worthy to see your glory? God, have you ever shown us your glory? We know in Moses' day he was asking to see it. Have any seen it in the scripture? And I'd like to answer the question with scripture itself. In John chapter 1, verse 14, would you please listen clearly as I read to you. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, would you say with me, full, 
That's like, oh my goodness. God kept saying, oh, I'm not holding anything back. All of my goodness is going to pass before you. But if you notice, God held his hand up so you couldn't see the face of God, Moses that is. But as he passed by, he could see the backside. There was enough of the glory off the front of God's face to shine all around him. And this is the part Moses got to see. But here the scripture says to us, and we have beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father. How? How have we seen the glory of God in the the one who was made, are you with me, flesh and dwelt among us? Would you say with me who the glory of God is this morning by this scripture? One more time. Jesus. Amen. And so then you get to the mountain of transfiguration. And the Bible said, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up into a high mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white and glistening. And we, be, and we behold, they were talked, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, watch this, who appeared in glory. And he spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem, that's Jesus. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they said, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him they wanted what happened was if you're wondering what the culmination of scripture is on God's glory if you look at John chapter 14 you'll find Philip disputing Jesus saying to him Jesus would you just show me this father you keep talking about and Jesus stood before Philip before he went to the cross he said if you look at me I look just like my daddy. I am the glory of the Father. Amen. And all of the goodness that God had to give to humanity was given by way of Jesus Christ Himself. The Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld the glory of God in the work of Jesus Christ. All of the goodness God had to offer was filled up in one verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And as you see Christ and He walked in the earth today, today you may not see Him naturally, but the work of Jesus Christ is alive and well in your life. May I ask you the question, is Christ enough? Is all that you've seen enough? Or are you still asking for something more? Are you asking for more than Christ had to offer? Then you're asking amiss. Because all that God had to offer, He gave in the person, the man, who was not only man, but He was God. He was just as much man as God. Amen. He, he bled, He sweat, He hurt, He was in pain, He prayed. But then He said to us, follow me. He took the glory of heaven off and He humbled Himself, was born of a woman in a manger, under the law, the very law that just said in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short. God now sent all of His goodness in one man, in one manger, so He could lift all of mankind out of their dirtiness and filthiness to bring them into God's glory. And if you have not come by the faith of Jesus Christ our Lord, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead, you are not born again and you will never enjoy a glorious time with God forever and ever in eternity until God has breached the gap between Himself and the sinner. And it's done only with Christ and Him alone. Amen. Amen. Amen.
It's not done with those disputing with you. I think you're okay if you still do this. Be careful not to run this race with a half a pound of sin that's habitual in your back pocket. And find out that this very sin, the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. And it may have seemed like you were doing fine. Maybe the little bit of weight I had looked like it was going to be okay in the first mile. But in that last mile, at 26 mile, I've got .2 to go. You will find your tripping. You will find your coming short. Amen. This is what God requires of us. To repent. Repentance is simple. You don't hear a great deal about it in Scriptures. Repentance means in view of what I know to be true of God by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, I now repent and turn away from this thing that would trip me and keep me from His glory. Amen. It's a hard text to preach today. Isn't it powerful? I hope that when you read the Bible from here forward, you'll begin to just take note of the times that talk about the glory. And think about all that that brings with it. God Himself. The glory that descended upon a mountain that caused it to tremble and to shake. Wow. I want to begin to give you an invitation. An invitation to God's goodness. He told him, Lord, I want to see your glory. And God said, well, let all, I'm going to have all of my goodness pass before you. What's wonderful is that the mountain of transfiguration, he brings Moses and Elijah in glory. Isn't it amazing to you that Moses never got to see the promised land? But now he comes and gets to see all that God had to offer. And when you start talking about glory, look how faithful God is to Moses. He said, I will. I will. No man knows where Moses was buried, but we know at Mount Transfiguration there was Moses and Elijah. And I wonder what he said when he left. I want to hear him in eternity. As he began to look upon the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, it illuminated with all the essence of the whiteness and brightness of God's glory and swallowed up in him. Moses saw the glory in the one, the only one. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. It is in this one alone. He's the third part of the Godhead. We're not confused by a trinity. We serve God in it. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This day Moses saw God's glory. My invitation to you and my encouragement is to cast off everything that doesn't help you run. As I begin to ask you to stand to your feet, if it's not helping you run, the Bible said you could come to Christ, cast off, repent of, every weight and sin that does so easily beset you, and then run with patience the race. Church, I want you to run with patience a race that can be finished.
One that can give the approval, can give the sound, have the arms of God around you. I want to ask you this morning, if you say, as I was preaching, that the Holy Spirit was working in one spot of your life to say, this is the weight I'm talking about. It's God's goodness that's trying to lead you there. He wants all of His goodness, not passing you by, but filling you up. When I got married, I turned away from everything else, and I turned toward one. But when God found me, His love caused me to turn away from everything else and turn toward one. And Lord, if there be anything in my heart that would cause me to trip right before the finish of receiving what you have for me in Christ, would you show it to me, Lord? I thank you that you're not a God that only removes but fills up. Amen.